Welcome to Session 7 in our study of James. Okay, so has anyone ever said to you, I'm sorry, I didn't mean what I said, or I don't know why I said that? The human tongue is tiny, but boy, what a mess our tongues can get us into. That's what James will be discussing today in chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. A tongue out of control is capable of saying anything. For instance, here are some pretty funny examples of statements that people put on their insurance forms after being in a car accident. One said, the guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. Another one said, the telephone pole was approaching fast. I attempted to swerve out of its path when it struck my front end. And another one said, the pedestrian had no idea which way to go, so I ran over him. And finally, I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. Yes, controlling what we say is a challenge, but it's a necessary step in the process of becoming a mature follower of Jesus. This is the third characteristic of Christian maturity that James has mentioned in his letter. Chapter 1 told us that maturity is gained from learning patience through trials. In chapter 2, we learned maturity is acquired by putting faith into practice through being obedient to God. And today, in chapter 3, 1 through 12, James instructs us on the necessity of controlling what we say. So let's read James chapter 3, 1 through 12. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is small, a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can saltwater springs yield fresh water. So we see that this passage impresses upon us the tremendous consequences, both good and bad, that arise from how we use our words. Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And boy, what a true statement. Whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, sure had wishful thinking. I mean, think for a moment about the impact of the words, you're fired, or you lost. Now think about the impact of the words, will you marry me? You're having a baby. He is risen. Words have power, and we must never assume that they aren't meaningful. And James offers six word pictures to illustrate this point. A horse's bit, a ship's rudder, a fire, 
a wild animal, a fountain, and a fig tree. So we're reminded that words are powerful, and so they must be kept in check, especially by those who presume to teach. Verse 1 says that not many should become teachers. Now, presumably in James's day, there were too many new Jewish Christians who aspired to teach. Maybe they were attracted to the admiration and rank of rabbis. But James is saying, if you're looking for notoriety, don't go into teaching, because judgment will be stricter for you. Now, why is that? Well, because people follow what teachers say, and they accept their teachings as fact. One commentator suggests that this was an environment in which people were trying too often to speak up and show off. Does this sound familiar? Is our environment so different? Now, James admits that we all make mistakes when he says in verse 2, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, he's mature, able also to control the whole body. We all stumble in what we say. Therefore, we must continually be reminded to be on our guard. Our words reflect our character, and character is reflected in conduct. Matthew 12:34 says, "The mouth speaks from what's in our heart." Our words and actions must coincide, because if we say one thing and don't follow through or do something different, then we're seen as hypocrites to a watching world. So verses three through five tells us how our words can direct meaning the things that we say can influence our actions and the actions of others. And he uses the examples of a bit and a rudder. He says, now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So, too, though the tongue is small, a small part of the body, it boasts great things. So just like a small bit can direct a large horse and a small rudder can direct a large ship, a person who can control their tongue gives evidence that they can control and direct their whole body. James is making the connection between what we do and what we say. For instance, there was a very well-known poster that was used during World War II that said, Loose lips sink ships. Our words are indicators of our attitudes, and our attitudes determine our actions. And our actions are impactful. You see, it's all connected. Now, some may think that words don't matter. And that seems more true now than ever, because our lives today are inundated with words. I mean, it's easy to get overwhelmed by people's thoughts, opinions, impressions, and viewpoints. Our lives can become so filled with a cacophony of words that they lose their significance. But James is reminding us that what we say does matter, Our words do have an impact, and therefore we must choose them wisely. So as we see in verses 3 through 5, just as a bit must overcome the wild nature of a horse, and the rudder must fight winds and currents that could drive the ship off course, the human tongue must also overcome contrary forces. Circumstances may provoke us to say things we shouldn't. Stress, fatigue, anger, or grief may cause temperamental or quarrelsome speech. But because our tongues, like the bit in the rudder, must overcome contrary forces, it too must be under the control of a strong hand. The expert rider keeps the mighty power of the stallion under control. An experienced sailor steers the ship through the storm. And when we allow Jesus to control our speech... 
then we can be confident of not saying the wrong thing or saying the right thing in the wrong way. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Never underestimate the direction or guidance you give by the words you speak. Jonah's message to the people of Nineveh included just seven words in Jonah chapter 2. And as a result, everyone from the least to the greatest turned to God, and the city was spared. Our words have the power to direct, and our words have the power to destroy. Verses 5 and 6 say, Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Our words can be destructive if they're not restrained. We all know the destructive nature of fire, even a small fire. Last year, a California couple decided to use a smoke bomb at the gender reveal party of their soon-to-be-born baby, and it started a wildfire that torched almost 23,000 acres destroyed five homes and 15 buildings. Like a fire, our speech can ignite and spark tension. It can heat up casual conversations. A hot head and hot heart can lead to saying things that we regret. Proverbs 17:27 says, The one who has knowledge restrains his words, and the one who keeps a cool head is a person of understanding. Fiery words can burn and hurt, They can defile a person, home, church, or workplace. Words can break hearts and ruin reputations. Think about it. Have you ever changed something about yourself because of what someone else said? Our talk is also compared to a wild animal in verses 7 and 8. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish, is tamed and has been tamed by humankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Our speech can be restless and unruly and difficult to restrain. The things we say can bring peace, warmth, and love, or can destroy like poison, working secretly and slowly killing a person inside. How often have we seen someone inject a malicious or sarcastic comment into a conversation in hopes that it will spread to the person that they wanted to hurt? A wild or poisonous animal can cause great damage to us physically, just like venomous words can cause damage to us mentally and emotionally. But James reminds us that both fires and animals can be tamed. When a fire is tamed, it goes from being a destructive force to an element that produces light, heat, and power. A wild animal, when tamed, produces a worker that can help plow fields and carry loads. Verse 8 says, but no man can tame the tongue. And that's true. But what man can't do, God can. Because according to Luke 1.37, nothing is impossible with God. And if we allow God to light the fire in our hearts and control it, then our words can become sources of enlightenment, warmth, and power, and a mighty tool for sharing the gospel. But it all begins with the heart, Matthew 12.34 told us. And if a heart is filled with bitterness and anger and hatred, then verse 6 tells us words can be set on fire by hell. 
Now, James is using pretty graphic language here. I mean, can a person's speech really be set on fire by hell? Well, it should be no surprise to us that the enemy, the devil, is well aware of the power of words to destroy reputations, self-worth, and livelihoods. I'm sure he takes great pride in provoking people to engage in the battle of words that tear down, that continue in endless cycles of back and forth, leaving observers completely discouraged and hopeless. But if a heart is filled with love from God, then he will light the fire behind our words, and rather than bringing discouragement, they will bring hope. And in verses 9 through 12, it goes on to say, With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth, my brothers and sisters. These things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. So our words can direct, our words can destroy. And here we see that our words can delight. We can bring praise to our Lord and Father with our words. But we must be consistent in what we say, because as verse 10 tells us, out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. And it should not be this way. Now, James equates our speech with a spring of water. Fresh water gives life. How refreshing and satisfying is it to get a cool glass of water on a hot summer day? Proverbs 18.4 says the words of a person's mouth are deep waters, a flowing river, a fountain of wisdom. How encouraging is it to receive a well-spoken word at just the right time? I'm reminded of a man who went to the church we attended years ago. Now, his job was to greet everyone at the door as we came in for Sunday school. And it didn't matter who came through that door. He greeted every person by name. Now, this was not a tiny church. I mean, there were a couple hundred members there. But there was never a time that I didn't hear him welcome a person by name, even the children, even people who had only visited there a couple of times before. He knew them by name and welcomed them. Now, this sounds like a small thing, I know, but there's something about going to church and knowing that I wasn't just another face in the crowd. He knew who I was, and he welcomed me and everyone else he saw with a warm hello. Although his words were few, hello, welcome, Linda, welcome, John, welcome, Kristen. But those few words helped us all to feel accepted and a part of the church family. Now, water also extinguishes fires. Words of compassion and patience can calm hot tempers and heated arguments. The things we say can bring refreshing delight like water, and they can bring healthy delight like trees. Verse 12 tells us, can a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? Trees give us beauty and shade, shelter and food. Our words can give shelter and protection to those who are fearful and in despair. And if we share God's words, we can even feed a hungry soul. Proverbs 10.21 says, The lips of the righteous feed many. And Jesus says in John 6.63, The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Now one scholar goes on to say that the most important thing about a tree is its root system. If the roots don't go down deep, the tree won't grow in a healthy manner. So if we are rooted in the things of the Lord, 
then our words will be the fruit of our relationship with him. If we want to say things at the right say the right things at the right times, then we must spend time with the master of words and wisdom. We must be praying, Bible reading people. Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are instructed to know how to sustain the weary with the word. He awakens me each morning. He awakens my ear to listen like those being instructed. Now James closes his passage with a warning. A spring cannot give both salt and fresh water, and a tree cannot bear two kinds of fruit. And a person shouldn't praise God, then curse the people made in his image. If our words are inconsistent, then that's an indication there's something wrong with our heart. But if we fill our hearts and minds with God's word and let the Holy Spirit guide us, then our speech can bring refreshment and delight to others. So as we close, I'm going to take this week's challenge from commentator Warren Wearsby. Now he says that there are 12 words that if used properly and sincerely from the heart can transform lives. And they are please and thank you. When using these words, it shows we are treating others like people, not things, and it shows we appreciate them. I'm sorry. These words have the ability to break down walls and build bridges. I love you. A statement beyond just romance, it carries great power. I'm praying for you, and we must be sure that we are. These words show that we care enough about the person to carry their concerns to the throne of grace. Yep, our tongues are small, but boy, what power. May we give God control of our tongues and our hearts each day and ask him to use us to be a blessing to others. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you.